You're listening to Rocky Mountain Review on 90.5 FM KCSU Fort Collins for Tuesday, February 20th. I'm Lee Zimpel, your news director. And I'm Tyler Weatherwax, your assistant news director. And we are the voices behind the Rocky Mountain Review news broadcast that airs every Tuesday and Thursday from 4 to 5 p.m. As always, we here at the Rocky Mountain Review strive to give you the most up-to-date, unbiased, and factual news. On today's show, learn who won CSU's Founders Day medal this year with Tyler and Campus News. And a fatal car crash in Fort Collins left three dead last week. Learn more in local news with Lee. Then we'll get some special coverage from Lorenzo Gomez on a recent speed dating activism expo. Later on in the broadcast, you'll hear the latest on the double homicide at a Colorado Springs University and more in National with Lee. And with that, we'll get started with campus news. Hello, I'm Tyler Weatherwax, and this is your Colorado State University campus news. Every year for Founders Day, the university awards a medal to celebrate the achievements of one person, group, or family who have helped the university in impactful ways. This year's Founders Day medal was awarded to the passed away this month of last year. Blake was a former chancellor of CSU, and he also made a $5 million donation to the College of Liberal Arts in 2019. His work for the university and donations to the school were honored with the medal, which was presented by CSU President Amy Parsons. However, that is not the only honor that Blake has had recently. Joe Blake will soon be honored at the Joe Blake Center for Engaged Humanities. The center is set to be a part of the new Clark renovations happening on campus now and will act as a key location. The center will act as a center for faculty to come together and will create a faculty program. CSU recently hosted an open forum on incremental budget for the university. The open forum invited students and staff to attend a board of panelists who reviewed the budget for the 2024 and 2025 fiscal years. The budget decides things such as tuition, spending, and more. The university hopes to make tuition changes as they are needed and not in a forced or unnecessary way. Any budget cuts that occur are unlikely to greatly impact students and their success at CSU. This story comes from the Rocky Mountain Collegian. Coming up next, you'll be getting your local news report from Lee, who has updates on a car crash in Fort Collins from early Thursday morning that claimed three lives. Stay tuned. In local news, Fort Collins police are investigating a crash from last week that left three people dead. According to a press release, police say a Larimer County deputy found a car on fire in the middle of the road at around 2.30 a.m. Thursday. The car was found near a landfill on South Taft Hill Road. The release says the deputy found two people dead in the front of the car. As Poudre Fire Authority put out the car fire and Fort Collins police officers arrived to the scene, they then found a third person dead in the backseat of the car. Of the three people found, two of them were from Fort Collins and one was from Loveland. After the car was found, that portion of Taft Hill was closed for over eight hours as the Fort Collins crash team investigated the scene. As of that first look into the crash, police say they believe the car was headed south on Taft Hill when it veered out of its lane. They say the car then struck a broken-down pickup truck that was parked along the shoulder. Authorities are still investigating the crash, and they say they're doing what they can to find answers for impacted families. As of last week's press release, the Larimer County Coroner's Office has not released any names, but they plan to do that at a later time. Fort Collins Police Chief Jeff Swoboda called the crash an extremely tragic incident and added that it's had a, quote, profound on the families of those involved, but also the community. 
A new ban on some gas-powered lawn and garden tools was just approved by the Colorado Air Quality Control Commission on Friday. If your tools are affected by these new rules, you won't have to get rid of anything for this year's summer season, but the summertime next year is when those bans will take effect. The new rules are banning gas-powered push lawnmowers and handheld landscaping tools under 25 horsepower on a state property or under 10 horsepower on a public property. You can expect those bans to stretch across the front range from Castle Rock to Fort Collins. These new rules will not impact homeowners on their private property, but all government property, including parks or schools, will be impacted. According to Denver 7, clean air advocate Kirsten Schatz says the move is to make sure that air quality is as good as possible in local spaces. And part of that effort is by replacing gas-powered tools with electric ones. The bans were approved by commissioners in a unanimous vote, and the new rules are following some recommendations from the Environmental Protection Agency. In July last year, the EPA warned that the northern front range ozone problem was getting worse, going from serious to severe. To address that same issue, state lawmakers also recently passed a bill that would give back 30% of point-of-sale taxes to people who buy electric equipment. Since the new bans were announced, a handful of landscaping companies around the front range have expressed that in the name of better air quality, they support the changes, but some are worried about the cost of replacing tools or how long it might take to actually implement these changes. The city of Loveland is facing three lawsuits as of Friday, and they're all part of ongoing controversies about its city council. This newest suit came immediately after a new city council was seated, and it challenges whether or not a new member is eligible. The latest lawsuit comes from a Loveland resident named Peter Gasly. Gasly's suing the city of Loveland, saying that council member Troy Krenning was not a valid candidate because Krenning refused to submit a background check before the election. Gasly's, Gasly's attorney is Russell Sinnott, and Sinnott actually ran in that same council race in November, where he finished third to Krenning. Gasly's lawsuit is the second case against Loveland that's being represented by Sinnott. The other lawsuit Sinnott filed was on behalf of a handful of former city council members. This suit says the council unlawfully canceled urban renewal plans for Sentara South after an agreement was already approved. Loveland is facing another separate lawsuit over the same issue, but the other one was filed in Larimer County District Court by developer McWinnie Real Estate Services. These allegations aren't the only ones circling in Loveland Court, though. There are also claims that multiple council members are ineligible to serve in office. It is calling for the disqualification of five council members, including Krenning, for voting to reverse those agreements with McRinney Real Estate. According to the reporter Harold, Loveland has until next Friday to file a response to Gasly's case, which Senate says it has not done yet as of this weekend. For now, next week, we'll see some momentum in the other cases. Next Thursday, the McWinney District Court case is set for trial, and on that same day, Senate's separate case over the same issue will have a status hearing. Lastly, the food and drink scene. Recently, a handful of restaurants have had to close shop for good. This trend of restaurant closures is actually a reflection of the lingering economic impacts of the COVID-19 pandemic. 
During the pandemic, a hit on the global supply chain, staff shortages, and distancing requirements were big challenges for a lot of local bars and restaurants. Today, even though things have improved since the most limiting time of the pandemic, some businesses are still struggling. The cost for rent, employees, and ingredients remain high, and customer turnout remains lower than it used to pre-pandemic. At the same time, Fort Collins has been adding more food and drink establishments than it's been losing in the past five years. Despite the number of restaurants in Larimer County looking strong on paper, the trend of closures in Fort Collins could still continue in the coming years. Jake Hallower is the president of NI, excuse me, of NAI Affinity, which is a real estate agency in northern Colorado. Hallower says the Fort Collins food scene will likely see a lot of turnover this year as restaurants close and new ones move in to replace them. Information for this update comes from the Coloradoan. Those were your latest local stories. My name is Lee Zimpel. Coming up, you'll hear the latest in life and events with Tyler, and you'll learn about a speed dating activism expo with Lorenzo Gomez after the break. KCSU thanks Tribal Rights for their continued underwriting support. Tribal Rights is located on College Avenue in Old Town, Fort Collins, and is a full custom tattoo, body piercing, and jewelry studio. Learn more at tribalrightstattoo.com. Hello, I'm Tyler Weatherwax with Life and Events for the Rocky Mountain Review. Colorado State University saw love on campus this past Valentine's Day with two students inside Westfall who helped stir love inside the 12-story building. The two students, both of whom are resident assistants inside the building, printed out questionnaires and posted them on each floor of the building. Residents of Westfall were able to add things like their sexual orientation, red flags, hobbies, and more. The matchmaking questionnaires helped with both romantic matches and friendship matches. About 75 questionnaires were filled out and 35 matches were able to be made inside the Tower of Love for Valentine's Day this year in Westfall. This story comes from the Rocky Mountain Collegian. While students at CSU may be making matches, one of hip-hop's biggest artists and the city of Denver are not matching up. The city of Denver has been knocked off the list for hip-hop star Drake's next tour. Two back-to-back -back shows were scheduled to happen on April 15th and 16th and are, and are now read as removed on Ticketmaster. These two shows were rescheduled from their original one-night performance scheduled for September 8th, 2023, and was postponed to two nights on January 18th and 19th, and then once again postponed to April. After multiple delays and reschedules, the shows are now canceled. This story comes from the Denver Post. 
Another music icon is having better luck at finding things, though, as one musician has been reunited with an important piece of his life and rock and roll history. Paul McCartney from bands like The Beatles and Wings, as well as a very successful solo career, has been reunited with a key instrument in helping The Beatles in their career. The missing item in question was a 1961 Hofner bass guitar, which was famously featured throughout the Beatles albums and live performances. It was thought to have been stolen sometime around 1969 during the recording of the Beatles' final album, and the bass was originally bought for about $37 in 1961 and is now estimated to be worth $12.6 million. In 2018, the, la the Lost Bass Project was started to help McCartney get back to his bass guitar. A breakthrough has finally happened as it was discovered that been sold to a pub owner for a few pounds and some beers. The pub owner then kept the instrument in his attic and was then passed down through the family until it was in inherited by a 21-year-old film student who finally returned it to McCartney. McCartney said on a statement on his website that he was incredibly grateful to all those involved. This story comes from the Associated Press. And some events happening right here in Fort Collins. There will be a climate talk in Fort Collins happening on Friday with Denver 7 Chief Meteorologist Mike Nelson. Nelson will be speaking at the Foothills Unitarian Church located at 1850 Yorktown Avenue at 6.30 p.m. Nelson will cover issues such as the science behind global warming and the rising concern of warmer seasons in Colorado. So if you're interested in learning more about climate change, you can attend this event. Once again, this will take place on Friday at 6.30 p.m. at the Foothills Unitarian Church located at 850 Yorktown Avenue. Here on campus, tomorrow is the very rare opportunity to attend in an evening with a Holocaust survivor. Esther Bosch has the nickname the Honey Girl of Auschwitz. If you want to attend this event, it will start at 7 p.m. tomorrow night located at the Lori Student Center Main Ballroom and will last until 10 p.m. Coming up next is Lorenzo Gomez with a story on CSU's recent Speed Dating Activism Expo. And after that is Lee with your national news updates. Learn about a double murder at a Colorado university and how AI is being used in the process of gun laws. On Wednesday, February 14th, the Strayer Center facilitated a Valentine's Day-themed speed dating expo where various local activist organizations set up and allowed for CSU students to get connected with activist causes that resonate with them. I'm Sam Hodling. Uh, I am the program director for the John Strayer Center for Public Service and Leadership here at Colorado State University. The Strayer Center was founded in 2017 and began operations in 2018 with a mission to equip students with the knowledge, skills, and abilities to be successful public servants. And we also work with public sector organizations from across the state of Colorado. But we really wanted this to be student run so that it really represented student interests. Like I could brainstorm 40 organizations that I think students, why not just have three students come up with a list working with their peers? So we have Anya, Emily, and Hannah. They have been, like I said, working with the Strayer Center since, since September. Um, Hannah is an English major. Anya is a political science major. And Emily is, I believe, ecosystem science and sustainability. And so two students from the College of Liberal Arts and one student from the Warner College. We both got hired at the beginning of last semester to be Democracy Thematic Year Fellows for Strayer Center. It's my understanding that the Strayer Center 
already does so much around civic engagement and voting and stuff like that, that when the university announced that they were going to do a thematic year, they were like, okay, it would be great if we could hire students to work for the Strayer Center to like expand their capabilities to do events and engage students with all of this democracy stuff. Yeah, and I'm Hannah. I was hired alongside Anya. We've had such a good time doing this work together. And so some of it's been like putting on events like the activism speed dating. Some of it's been um, creating information on ballot measures and different candidates. I think the idea is kind of like to improve our communal capabilities around talking about democracy and political issues in advance of the election. We came up with this idea of like activism speed dating and it was perfectly landed on Valentine's. So we like did aim for Valentine's, was happy it worked out that way. And so yeah, we started getting that idea rolling maybe December and then inviting different organizations to come, making sure it was out for students to see on social media and that advisors were sending out the message. So it was mostly community focused. Most of our communication for the event was with local organizations. So we did a lot of brainstorming about like what are organizations that are doing really good activist work in our community that students might be interested in from and learning more about. We interviewed some of the organization leaders that had a booth at the expo. I'm Casper. I'm the president of Planned Parenthood Generations, our CSU chapter. And I'm Izzy, the social media director of Planned Parenthood Generation here at CSU. We were really interested in spreading our club. We just started last semester. So we've been really trying to get involved with other similar organizations and just try to spread the word that there is now a Planned Parenthood Generations chapter here. My name is Georgia White. I'm the director of health and wellness for ASCSU. So I think one of our goals is like to show the work that we're doing to the students who it actually impacts and affects. Hey, my name is Leticia Madrigal Tapia. I use she, her, ella pronouns. Um, and I serve as the director of diversity, equity, and inclusion for ASCSU. I think we always need to center the conversation of how do we bring in activism into it? Because activism is the only way that we're going to see the future change in a way that actually benefits students. Our livelihoods depend on creating the change that we need to see for these students. The organizers of the expo discuss similar about CSU students and activism in our Local community. I think that in Fort Collins and like Northern Colorado in general, there's a lot of energy around tons of different activist causes from housing to like immigrant rights. There's a lot of st students on this campus tend to be pretty interested in the world around them and pretty cognizant of the fact that uh, there are there are some impact those challenges in a positive way by coming together, working together. And that's what's really exciting me is just seeing the the sort of palpable energy in the room, seeing all the students who, who showed up, who want to know about ways to connect. The Valentine's Day Speed Dating Expo found success with constant foot traffic from organizers, students, and faculty. The Strayer Center looks to host more student-led events that cater to college students and the issues that resonate with them. This has been Lorenzo Gomez reporting for KCSU.
Hi, I'm Kate Yoshimoto, libero for your Colorado State volleyball team, and you're listening to 90.5 KC. Welcome back from the break. Here are some of the latest national news updates. A college student was arrested yesterday, and police believe he is responsible for a double homicide at the University of Colorado, Colorado Springs. Police say they found two people dead inside an on-campus apartment last week, and authorities announced quickly that they would be investigating the deaths as homicides and not a murder-suicide. The 25-year-old suspect is Nicholas Jordan, and as of this morning, police say Jordan was the roommate of one of the victims. Police identified the victims last week as 24-year-old Samuel Knopp and 26-year-old Celie Rain Montgomery. Knopp was a registered student at UCCS, and Montgomery was not. Officials say Jordan lived with Knopp at the Alpine Village Student Apartment Building, and police say they are still investigating the relationship between Montgomery and the two men. As of this morning, police say they do not have any information about a motive behind the shooting. After police found the victims early Friday morning, authorities put a lockdown across campus for about an hour and a half. After that, the lockdown was isolated to the student apartment complex where the victims were found, but the campus stayed closed for the day and classes were canceled for Monday. Police say they had a warrant for Jordan's arrest late Friday, and officers arrested him Monday morning in a traffic stop. Colorado Springs Police Chief Adrian Vasquez said the arrest went smoothly. A hearing has already been scheduled for this afternoon, where Jordan is being represented by an attorney from the state public defender's office. On Monday, dozens gathered for a memorial walk at UCCS. The university community was hit hard last week. In total, there were three on-campus deaths. Before the shooting in an unrelated incident, another student, Mia Brown, died of a medical emergency in the UCCS rec center. At yesterday's memorial, students placed flowers on the statue of the school's mascot, showing support for all three victims. For now, as Jordan faces two counts of first-degree murder and as the community mourns its losses, CSPD says the investigation is ongoing and the university says it will offer resources to support students. Lawmakers that support the National Rifle Association have been getting phone calls from gun violence victims through AI-generated voices. The families of six victims are using AI to press for gun control. The campaign launched on Valentine's Day anniversary of the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas high school shooting that left 14 students and three staff members dead. 17-year-old Joaquin Oliver, who is one of the students killed in that shooting, is now one of the AI-generated voices lobbying Congress to do more about gun violence. His parents, Manuel and Patricia Oliver, say the campaign is based on the common idea that if someone wants laws changed, the first step is calling elected representatives. Their son was killed with an AR-15 semi-automatic rifle, and they're pushing lawmakers to ban the sale of those types of guns. Oliver's parents are both from Venezuela, where they say is a place where gun violence is also a problem. But since they became U.S. citizens, Oliver's father says where he's from, it's less likely to see a 19-year-old with an AR-15 shooting people in a school. He said, quote, there's no reason for the gun violence and the amount of victims in the United States. Oliver's parents have been public advocates for gun control since their son was killed. They founded Change the Ref, which is partnered with a group created by Stoneman Douglas students called March for Our Lives. This isn't their first time using AI. In 2020, the Olivers used AI to make a video of their son calling on young voters to choose candidates that support gun control. 
But this campaign is the Oliver's latest use of AI. The voices tell NRA supporting lawmakers who they are, then say how they were killed with gun violence before asking what it would take for laws to change. The youngest of the AI voices, excuse me, the youngest of the AI voices is of 10-year-old Uzi Garcia, who died in the 2022 elementary school shooting in Uvalde, Texas. The use of AI in political spaces is a controversial often, and this latest campaign isn't the only one being talked about. Last week, the FCC announced that robocalls using AI voices violates telecommunications law. This came after an AI-generated robocall mimicking President Biden told New Hampshire voters to stay home during the primary election. AI experts are warning the ethics of using artificial intelligence politically is complicated, but in the case of AI voices calling for gun control, digital forensic expert and UC Berkeley professor, um, excuse me, Hani Farid, says it is not a negative use. Farid says there should be disclosure about AI and it should not be passed off as real, and that is what change the ref's latest campaign is doing because of that Furried says their campaign is powerful and it is an example of an effective non-malicious use of generative ai as of today the nra has not yet given a public statement on the campaign and with that here is a brief rundown of some other headlines you should know for today this morning the u.s vetoed a u.n resolution that demanded an immediate ceasefire in gaza the resolution was backed by arab nations and u.s ambassador argued that a ceasefire that didn't require hamas to release hostages would fail to bring lasting peace the u.s proposed its own draft which calls for delicate diplomacy toward releasing hostages the u.s has vetoed or chose not to vote on past proposals for resolutions in gaza then the first federal trial for a gender-based hate crime began today in South Carolina. A man is facing charges that he shot and killed a black transgender woman in 2019. Court documents say Dequa Lamique Ritter lured the woman, who is referred to as Dime Doe, in an isolated area near his uncle's home, before fatally shooting her three times. Federal hate crime laws did not consider the victim's gender identity or sexual orientation before 2009, and today is the first time a case like this has ever been brought to trial for a federal jury. And over the weekend, two police officers and a firefighter were killed after responding to a domestic violence call. Today, authorities say the man who opened fire on first responders was later found dead in the home by suicide and that he was not legally allowed to have guns. Court documents say the man barricaded himself in his home with his family, including seven kids. His standoff with police came days after a court hearing uh, over custody and financial support disputes with the mother. And lastly, tensions have been growing between Israel and Egypt as Palestinian refugees are quickly running out of places to flee. Egypt is now bracing for a Palestinian refugee spillover as Israel's attacks pushed them out of Rafah, which is the southernmost city in the Gaza Strip across Egypt's border. The Biden administration is warning Israel not to attack Rafah before letting more than one million people sheltered there evacuate. Those were your national updates for today. Information for these stories come from...
This is DJ Darkwave, and you're listening to 90.5 KCSU. Hello, I'm Tyler Weatherwax with your Colorado State University sports updates. News broke director Joe Parker has left his position. Parker has stepped down to become an advisor for CSU President Amy Parsons. Parker originally signed with the university in 2015 and then signed a five-year extension in 2022 that would see him be the athletic director until 2027. Parker oversaw the $220 million addition to Canvas Stadium and $6 million to soccer and softball facilities. However, CSU football had a record of 40-63 and 63 during his time as the athletic director. The interim athletic director was named by Amy Parsons as John Weber, executive director of the Green and Gold Guard, CSU's name, image, and likeness collective. This story comes from the Rocky Mountain Collegian. Saturday night saw a victory for the CSU Rams as well as special guests in attendance. For the CSU men's basketball game against Utah State, the team secured a victory winning 75-55. However, the victory was extra special as Saturday night was Fight Like a Ram Night, which is a tradition in supporting cancer warriors in the northern Colorado area. After losing their previous game to San Diego State, the Rams were coming into Moby Saturday night with a chip on their shoulder. The Rams delivered outscoring San Diego State by 20 points and now have a record of 20-6. This story comes from the Rocky Mountain Collegian. And more in Colorado sports, it seems that Denver Broncos quarterback Russell Wilson will be leaving Denver. The former, the former Seattle Seahawk and current Denver Broncos quarterback had an 11-19 and record in Denver with less than perfect performances. The Denver quarterback is now favored to be heading to Pittsburgh with Las Vegas and Atlanta behind the Pittsburgh Steelers. Wilson has also begun tours of his Denver home and looking for buyers as all signs point to his departure from Denver. Contributions for this story come from NBC Sports News. And with that, here's Lee with your weather report. We haven't officially reached spring yet, but it has been starting to feel like it. That's how this week should mostly look and feel, with a little bit of snow for the tail end of winter. This afternoon, it was mostly sunny with a high of 65 degrees. Tonight, it'll be partly cloudy as we reach a low of 31. Wednesday, we'll see a high of 56. It'll start off mostly sunny, but then we'll see a 50% chance for rain in the afternoon. Wednesday night, that chance for rain could trickle over until about 11 p.m. Then as we reach a low of 28, we could see that mixing with some snow, but it shouldn't snow quite as much as last week. Moving into Thursday morning, we'll see a slight chance for rain after 11 a.m. It'll be mostly sunny and a little windy, and it'll warm up to a high of 51. Thursday night should clear up, though, and we'll see a low of 24 degrees. Information for this forecast comes from the National Weather Service, and as always, you can catch the rest of the week's weather at the end of our show on Thursday. And that is all for today. We would like to thank Damien Castile for our amazing theme music. We'd also like to thank the rest of our staff here at KCSU and Rocky Mountain Student Media. We couldn't do this without you. Finally, we couldn't do this without you, dear listener, so thank you. If you missed any part of today's show, you can find the RMR podcast on kcsufm.com under the news or podcast section. You can also find us on Spotify or anywhere else you listen to your podcasts by searching KCSU News. And with that, we'll see you next time.